Hello everyone, welcome to episode 14 of our study on the book of Romans. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to the truth and that you would prepare our hearts to put it into practice. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin with a little bit of a recap. We've been learning that a few Jews in every generation have put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, but not very many. And Paul refers to these people as the remnant. However, the vast majority over the years have rejected Christ. They have, in the words of Paul, stumbled over him. In other words, they have not submitted to Christ as God's way of salvation. And they've tried to establish their own righteousness through obedience to the law, rather than receiving the righteousness that comes through Christ. Significantly, however, uh, this stumbling of the majority does not imply that God has given up on his people. Instead, their stumbling was part of his plan to make sure that salvation came to the Gentiles, meaning that people from every nation will be reconciled to God. The early church, led by God himself, started to take the gospel to the Gentiles because their own Jews rejected it. And so the stumbling of the Jews actually meant a blessing for the Gentiles. But the chain of blessing doesn't end there. The second part of God's plan is that the salvation of the Gentiles will draw many Jews to Christ through envy envy of the way that God is blessing the Gentiles. And this means that the blessing will bounce back from the Gentiles to the Jews. It started with the Jews, it went to the Gentiles, it now bounces back from the Gentiles to the Jews. And remember, of course, that envy is not necessarily a bad thing. If what we desire is good for us, if it's condoned by God, and if we have a right to it. And so the stumbling of the Jews means blessing for the Gentiles, which will in turn result in blessings for the Jews. But the last link in this chain of blessing is the incredible blessing that the whole world will receive from Israel's recovery when God brings widespread revival to the nation of Israel. If you look at your screen now, just spend a little bit of time reading it, you can see that chain of blessing with each of the three links that make it up. Well, now that you've had a look at the chain of blessing, um, let's begin to consider the allegory of the olive tree, um, which is there to teach us some vitally important truths. But before we unpack the allegory, let's have some discussion. So if you look at your screen, you'll see that there is a scripture reference for you to read. That's the text on which today's study is based. It's Romans 11 verses 17 to 24. So read that through together a few times and then answer some of those questions because this will serve as an introduction to the topic that we're going to be looking at today and which this particular passage addresses. Some background. In AD 49, the Roman Emperor Claudius expelled all the Jews from Rome. 
If you read in Acts 18 verse 2, Luke writes that Priscilla and Aquila had recently come to Corinth from Italy because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. However, Claudius didn't live forever, and once he died in AD 54, Jews started to return to Rome. And this would have meant two things. First of all, the church in Rome was now a Gentile church. It had Gentile Christians in it, and it had Gentile leadership. But with the Jews coming back, Christian Jews would need to be reintegrated into what was largely a Gentile Christian church. And there were going to be difficulties associated with that. Then the second meaning uh, of, of, this, of these incidents um, is that there would be the return of Judaizers. And they're sometimes referred to as the circumcision party. That is, Jewish Christians who insisted that Gentiles must put their faith in Christ and obey the whole Jewish law in order to be saved. They were called the circumcision party because that was the one thing that really distinguished them. They, they said you must be circumcised in order to be saved by God, acceptable to God, even though you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now Paul wrote Romans in order to address both of these issues. On the second one, that's why he lays out with such clarity the gospel message. Because he wants the, the Christians in Rome to know that they don't necessarily need to be circumcised in order to be saved. Today's passage deals with the first issue. You might, this is the issue of reintegrating Jewish Christians into the Roman church. You might ask yourself, well, is that really a big deal? Well, Gentiles in general, not just Christian Gentiles, but Gentiles in general misunderstood, they mistrusted, they despised the Jews because of their cultural exclusivity. And Gentile Christians would have been shaped by that particular prejudice because they'd grown up with it. But Paul didn't want that prejudice to create division in the church. So he uses the olive tree allegory to give a warning and a promise. Let's have a look at the warning first of all. The cultivation of olive trees. Olive trees produce shoots, as all trees do, and those shoots grow into branches. But some of those branches start to die and they never produce fruit. Other branches do produce fruit, but after a time they stop producing fruit and they grow gradually die off. And so branches like that were broken off the main trunk of the olive tree by the farmer. And then the farmer would replace the broken branch by grafting in a shoot from an olive tree, another olive tree. And amazingly, and this really is a, a wonder, a miracle of nature, the grafted shoot would actually start drawing, drawing sap from the tree. It would become an integral part of the tree and it would start producing fruit. Look at verse 16. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Now we start to get an idea of what Paul is trying to, trying to say through this allegory. And commentators agree that the root of the olive tree represents the fathers of the Jewish nations, 
the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel, the patriarchs. So since they were holy, because they had been chosen by God and set apart to receive God's promises, so would their descendants be holy, whether they were natural branches or wild branches that had been grafted in. Now, Paul views Gentile Christians, that's us, as being like wild olive shoots that have been grafted into the tree. Read verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off, referring to Jews that had denied Christ, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and then he goes on to explain that we share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. So this means that not only are we nourished by the root, but we are also holy because of the root. Can you see how important the patriarchs are to us? Can you see how important the Jewish origins of our faith is? Therefore, Paul wants Gentile Christians to treat Jewish Christians with humility. After all, we have a Jewish root. Look at verse 17 and 18 on your screen. screen. Paul says, do not be arrogant. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. The fact that the Jews had been broken off and replaced by the Gentiles who had been grafted in was not a reason for arrogance. Why? Let's look at some of the reasons. First of all, number one, Gentile Christians are being nourished and supported through the promises given to the Jewish patriarchs. There's a very good reason to be humble and not to be proud. Then there's another reason. Look on your screen at verse 19. Paul gives another warning against pride. He says, do not become proud. What is the reason? Well, let's have a look at verse 19. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast. Why? Through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. You were broken off because of unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. Folks, if you stand fast simply because of faith, then what is there for you to boast about? On what basis do you claim to be superior? Can you boast in your works? Absolutely not. Can you boast in your goodness? No, you can't, because neither your works nor your goodness are good enough to make you acceptable to God and therefore to be grafted in to the tree. God didn't graft you in because of those things, but simply because you put your faith in Jesus. So the second reason for humility is that we have no basis for pride because we were grafted in because of faith and not works or goodness. But there's a third reason. 
Notice that Paul contrasts pride and fear. He says, do not become proud, but instead fear. What he's saying here is that we need to look up to God. We need to show him reverence rather than to look down on others. Why should we look up to God rather than looking down on others? Verse 21, for if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Folks, whenever pride rears its ugly head in our lives, it shows that we are depending on ourselves. And if that's the case, you are being tempted to trust in your own qualities, in your own work, rather than on what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. But what happened to those who did not believe? They were cut off. And so if you're feeling proud, then that is a good reason to start to feel afraid, to start to look up to God, to show reverence to Him. Folks, God has shown severity to some. He has hardened some. And this makes His kindness to us so much more amazing and worthy of our respect and our reverence. It's got nothing to do with us. It's got everything to do with God. And so when you're tempted to look down on others, then look up to God. So the third reason for humility is that pride does not and cannot go with the gospel message. Now, Paul doesn't write these things because he's expecting you to be cut off. If you're feeling nervous about that, just let it go. Why? Because if you keep believing in Jesus, and if you keep coming back to him, or in the words of Paul, continue in his kindness, submit yourself to God's means of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, then you don't need to be afraid. Just show reverence to God. Maybe just to put it another way, submit every day to God's means of salvation. So why does Paul talk in this way then? He simply wants to teach us just how serious pride is for Christians so that we will actually nip it in the bud whenever it starts to sprout in our hearts. So to sum up then, we must beware of pride because of three things. One, we are being supported and nourished through the promises given to the Jewish patriarchs. It's got nothing to do with us and yet those things support us and they nourish us. Number two, we have no reason for pride because we've been grafted in on the basis of faith and not because of works or our own goodness. And then thirdly, pride is incompatible with the gospel message because Christians are saved through God's kindness and not their own work or goodness. So let's move now to the promise. Verse 23, And even they referring to Jews who have 
rejected Christ. Even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in again. For God has the power to graft them in again. So Jews that don't continue in their unbelief, but instead submit to God's means of salvation, will be grafted in. And there's two reasons for that. God has the power to do it. We've seen that in verse 23. Then there's another reason in verse 24. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? What's Paul saying here? He's saying that a cultivated olive tree is of a different nature or type to a wild olive tree. And if that's the case, and yet God can graft in a wild shoot, how much more so can he graft in a shoot from a cultivated tree? And of course, he's referring to the Jews there. They are from the cult of originally from the cultivated tree. And so the second reason why a Jewish person who has been broken off by God due to unbelief can be grafted in again is because Jews can be grafted more easily into a plant that has Jewish roots. Just as a way of tying up this particular episode, I'd like you to answer the questions that are showing on your screen. Use it as a means of discussion and I pray that God really does open up your eyes to the dangers of pride. I pray that he shows you that we have no basis for pride. And I trust that he will deal with these things in our lives so that there will be no division or disunity even in our own fellowship at Harvest. Thank you so much for uh, spending time listening to me and I look forward to being with you again in the near future. Goodbye for now.